0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy almost new year, everybody. Welcome to this Friday and weekend and end of 2021 edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Baspris. Another year in the books. I truly can't believe it because the... The way the NBA seasons have gone here lately is a a total mind bend, and I there are a few swear words I'd like to throw in there, but you guys know I'd I'd like to make this thing the clean deal, so uh, I won't, but certainly starting with the suspension of the season in March of 2019, no, that's not right, March of 2020, whew, thank goodness it's hard to really know what the hell is real anymore. We had the break. We had the bubble. We had the ridiculously short break. We had the short season that ran late. We had the slightly short off season. Here we are again. There's been very little legitimate respite, like a traditional break that we could plan around. And so the time, for better or worse, is kind of flying. And when I think about what I'd like to be doing differently. It's something that I kind of instituted last week, which is the one thing I really want to avoid is making any of this feel like a chore. I've seen far too much of that in the fantasy community right now. People just kind of throwing their arms in the air and saying, well, the hell with it. And I get it. It's been harder. But... That's really more of a, from life standpoint. Life is more complicated right now. Whatever you've done, however you've handled yourself over the last year and nine months, we all know everybody's just kind of trying to get through it. So on that front, I totally get it. When it comes to playing fantasy sports, you have to separate that. From the reality of the the stuff, the crap, the weirdness, whatever you want to call it, that's going on around you. And so I think, you know, I, I hope what I've done here on this podcast is is largely to give folks kind of a mental respite from some of that other stuff. At least, you know, I know in the initial shutdown from March of 2020 until like June of 2020... There was kind of a running tracker on this podcast of what the hell was going on with COVID. But since then, I've tried really hard to steer away from that unless it becomes focusedly relevant. I made that up, making up words here on the show today, to what we're doing in fantasy from a strategic standpoint. So my goal for 2022, I have a couple of them. This is New Year's resolution pod. A couple of my resolutions here. I haven't even said hello yet. We just dove right into New Year's stuff. New Year's resolution number one, make sure that this podcast remains a break. New Year's resolution number two, make sure this podcast continues to attack fantasy NBA in, an, in a positive way, in a fun way. Take bad news, turn it into something of value. And again, that's something that I really tried to start doing about two weeks ago because I could feel the jaws closing around all of us. I saw so many of you saying, this season's dead, this season's ruined, I don't want to do this anymore. So I said, you know what, we have to take another tack at this. This is put your head down and grind. New Year's resolution number three, I want to keep getting guests back on the show. Done a little bit of a better job on that front this season. And it's harder, personally... Because, as many of you know, we had our second kid right around the start of the NBA shutdown a year and nine months ago. So that kid isn't in preschool yet. But he will be, probably in the next, I don't know, four to five months. And then it gets a lot easier to get guests on. It opens up certain parts of the day that weren't really open before. Everything's a puzzle piece when you've got a couple of kids just fitting a bunch of weird puzzle pieces together. So those are the kind of the my three podcast, at least, related New Year's resolutions. Would love to hear from some of you guys as well on social media. This, of course, is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Big thank you to Sports Ethos for their continued support, for all the promotion they've done, for simply just giving us the platform to start this podcast four and some odd years ago and grow it into what it's become, which... I don't know. I, maybe I'm wrong on this front, but I think we're the second biggest fantasy NBA podcast out there. I believe that's the case. I don't know. I don't listen to other people's stuff, really. I don't have time. It's not a I don't want to. I just don't. I don't have time to. But I think that we're the number two full season fantasy NBA podcast out there. So thank you, to Sports Ethos, and thank you to all of you guys. I am Dan Vespers, your host, have been for a little while now. Thank you as always for tuning in. At Dan Vespers, the Twitter handle D A N B E S B R I S, I will tell you today, as I have told you so many times, follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. It is the preeminent fantasy NBA news feed on the internet, combining speed, accuracy, and fantasy analysis in the finest feed on planet earth that is at ethos fantasy bk again i am at dan bespris as far as content for today's show because this is sort of a rarity i'm recording this show uh, about a day and a half in advance by the time you hear it i will be not at my recording equipment i'm going to be gone over new year's weekend so i won't be on the internet very much during that stretch either won't be on Uh, Social media, I'm liable to miss a few things on the fantasy front for this rare twist. You guys know me, I don't leave the computer for very long. So this podcast is being recorded before the Thursday action has happened, and hence, it's going to be a little bit of a different feel. Some of you might recall that on Wednesday, I flipped a tweet out into the universe asking for some key names kind of a a handful of player deep dive that we could do on this New Year's Eve episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Something to just pry into the numbers a little bit more and kind of help get ourselves ready for whatever the new year may bring. You guys sent me quite a few names, but the ones that jumped out at me, the ones that I thought, okay, we can explore these a little bit more, there were five. I'm not going to tell them to you right now at the front end. We're just going to go through them one by one. We're going to explore some players, figure out what's going right, what's going wrong, and what we can do with them. And, you know, a couple of them are guys that we sort of glossed over for whatever reason, not any, anything specifically. So let's go ahead and dive on into some of that stuff. Player number one on the board is Chris Middleton, who currently sits... By totals at number 118, by on averages at number 76, he's averaging 18.5 points per game, 5 and change rebounds, 5 assists, a little over a steal, 2.23 pointers, 87% at the free throw line, a pretty good volume, about 4 and change per game, 3 over 3 turnovers per game, and just 42% from the field. And that, of course, is the number that jumps out because... Remember, about a month ago, we had a podcast called The Great Settling, I think. Was that the name? I either called it The Great Settling or The Great Leveling. For those of you that remember the show, congrats. You can skip the next 45 seconds of this podcast. But for those that don't, it was basically a show saying after about eight weeks of the NBA season, things have a tendency of leveling off. Whatever... Not to say that after eight weeks someone is just who they're going to be because there there were outliers there. Jason Tatum was still shooting like 39.5%. So you knew these types of things were just going to turn. It was going to take a little bit longer. For most of the buy low, sell high guys, by that eight-week mark, you're starting to get a better idea of what someone actually is going to be this season. And for Chris Middleton, it's been kind of a weird year. Shooting just 42% is the lowest... Of any season in his career. Including his rookie year. Where he barely took any shots. But he did shoot 44% on those. Early season Chris Middleton. Kind of before Giannis opened up the floor for him. 44, 44, 47. 44, 45. 47, 44. 50. That was two years ago. uh, 48, excuse me, was last year. And then down to 42 this season. Here's the thing. Anything's possible he could actually continue to shoot 42% for the entire season. Free throw percent is right about where it needs to be. Rebounds are down a little bit, but also minutes are down a little bit. Assists are up. Turnovers are way up. Whatever the hell that's all about, I couldn't possibly say. We kind of faded Middleton a little bit this year, just going back to draft day analysis, because of the finals run and the shortened offseason, Olympics play, stuff like that, there was just, I think, sort of a built-in fatigue factor that was going to play a role in this season. And I still believe that that's at least partially to blame for what we're seeing happening with him this year. It's worth noting, though, that over the last couple of weeks, he's shooting 48% from the field, mostly... Uh, since coming back from protocols, seven for 17, eight for 14, five for 13, another eight for 14, uh, in the games prior to us recording this podcast. Hasn't been the toughest competition in there. Houston, no real defense, Dallas defense, not terrible defense, actually. Dallas, Boston plays a little D Orlando doesn't play much. So kind of a mixed bag, I suppose on that front. All that to say, look, we go on probability, at least to a certain degree, on this show. The decisions we make are based on what is the likeliest of outcomes. And the likeliest of outcomes, at least as it pertains uh, to Chris Middleton, is that at some point, that field goal percent is going to inch its way up and you might not even really notice it and it might even it, it might not be during a particularly big week for him even but the interesting thing about fantasy nba is with a guy like middleton who is at number 76 right now if you're if he just rolls along at like a top 60 clip going forward over time he will actually end up ahead of that mark because most guys have a tendency to bounce around a little bit. All you got to do is not bounce around, and you can actually climb the rankings. It's a very strange fantasy phenomenon, because the same guys are not always in front of you that are behind you. You know, the guy in front of Middleton one week, let's say he's number 61, and there's a guy at like 55. If Middleton's number 61 again, and the other guy has a, you know, number 69 season or something like that, that actually puts Middleton in front of, of the other guy. And all you had to do was be the same player two weeks in a row. It does tend to work out that way. His number of shots per game is down a little bit. Turnovers are up. I have to think turnovers do start to come down. I think the shots per game probably stay relatively consistent here. Bobby Portis is much more willing to shoot than Brook Lopez was. So that's actually cutting into the main guy's shots a little bit. And then field goal percent. That's the other one. As that goes up, scoring will go up as well. Does that mean I'm offering you guys a buy-low opportunity on Middleton? It, this is a hard one because I don't I don't really know what it's going to take to get Chris Middleton right now. And if you look at some of the players that are near him or even ever so slightly ahead of him in the rankings, they're probably not going to be enough to get Middleton. Kevin Love won't be enough. Draymond Green probably would be, but I think I might rather have Dre. He's been on the steady climb really since that really bad first two weeks of the season. Been kicking it at like a top 50 clip ever since. Kyle Lowry might be enough. That might be one I'd consider. I'm not super enamored with Lowry. I don't think his role is changing all that much. So that's one I would try. Rashawn Holmes? No, I'd rather have Holmes. Josh Hart's not going to be enough. Wendell Carter Jr., maybe that one would get it done if you think Jonathan Isaac ever resurfaces here. Tyrese Maxey won't get it done. Clint Capella, I think I'd rather have him anyway. Mikel Bridges. They're pretty that's kind of a wash. Jalen Brown, kind of a wash. Gordon Hayward, maybe that's one you could consider. Terry Rozier, wash. Scotty Barnes, bit of a wash. Mike Conley, that's worth a try. And then as you get above that. You know, at that point, you are you might just as well target someone higher. So that's probably it. If you look at the guys behind Middleton, I don't know that anybody gets the job done. I don't think so. Maybe Julius Randle might be the only player you'd actually give up for Chris Middleton and not feel like you were losing the, t- the deal. Or, again, rather not at all quite enough. So the names I think I threw out there were Kyle Lowry. If you have Lowry on your team, you could probably try throwing him out there for Middleton, at least when Lowry gets back into the lineup. Uh, Gordon Hayward, Mike Conley. Those are probably the three names I would consider giving away for Middleton right now, at least in terms of the guys that kind of make sense. Guys that aren't going any higher. They are where they are on the board. They have some name value. They feel safe People might be irritated with Middleton. Or maybe you just can't get the job done. But I'll say this. I do think that by the time this season's over, Middleton is shooting over 43% from the field, even if it's taking him a little time to get there. A couple more weeks at 48%. percent will get it done. And all of a sudden, he'll be number 60, and no one will really have even noticed it happened. Final verdict on Chris? By low. Next name on the list, Tobias Harris. The logo for the Dan vespers Old Man Squad has been a bit of a disappointment so far this year, although it hasn't been so severe that he's hit radar for how rough it's been. What I mean by that is, he's been kind of meh, but he's also been... Kind of fine. Tobias Harris currently sits at number 58 on a per-game basis. 19 points, 8 boards, little under 4 assists, little over 3-pointer. Not much in the way of defensive stats. 86% foul shooter, like that. 46% from the field. And again, that is the big thing with so many players so far this year. And we'll take generally the same analysis with Tobias Harris, that we took with Chris Middleton, which is to look at all of the stuff, the body of work. Free throws are good. That seems reasonable. Rebounding is actually improved year over year, similar to a couple seasons back. Assists are nice. He's actually sitting on a career high right now. Turnovers are fine. Steals are a bit low, but you never know. Those could work their way up a little bit. He's at .5 career in this amount of time per game should be about .7 or .8. So maybe that comes around. Tobias Harris is not all that far off from where he was last year. And on top of that, he's actually taking a half shot more per game than he did last season. He's at 15.3 points per game, which is pretty damn close to what he did his final half season with the Clippers, where uh, he took 15.5 shots per game, including far more three-pointers, and averaged 21 points per game that year. That's not actually all that different than what he did last season in Philadelphia, where he took 15 shots, hit 51% of them, and averaged just under 20 points per game. Guys don't always come back to their career averages, but they do tend to slide toward them. And the big thing with Harris so far this year is that his three-point shooting is as bad as it's been since 2013. He's just under 30% from the field, where if you just count reverse chronologically here, 39, 37, 33, 43, 41, 41, 35, 31, that was that partial season in Orlando. He didn't shoot the ball very well from downtown. If you eliminate that partial season... 38 36 and before that he didn't really take many three-pointers so assuming the three-point percentage comes back up to the mid-30s that would be enough to move his overall field goal percent from 46 up to at least 47 maybe even 48 and if a two-pointer starts to go in a little bit better you're talking about his points per game climbing back up and over 20 with career highs and rebounding and assist. What I don't see is what's not really to like about it. What I do see is a guy who hasn't quite been as healthy as he'd like to be so far this year, still kind of finding his way, and you do wonder if the health stuff has anything to do with it, and another quiet by low opportunity maybe quieter even than Chris Middleton where people are like uh really has been a, a tough year so far i think folks with Tobias Harris have kind of just felt like man he's been fine but if the percentage comes back up and let's say the steals come back up by .2 or something like that there's no reason to believe he can't move up around and i bet you could get Tobias Harris for guys behind him in the rankings in addition to some guys in front of him that just have a little bit more shine on their name. Uh, Guys in front of him that would probably get the job done. Desmond Bain, who's been really, really good and is about to go on a super tear. Uh, Cole Anthony would probably get you Tobias Harris. They're ranked in front of him. Guys behind Tobias that would get you Harris. I think Scottie Barnes might get it done. I think Jalen Brown might get it done, although he's another guy you might actually see climb the board a little bit. I don't know. I have some issues with Jalen Brown. Could Mikael Bridges do it? I don't know. Capella. We talked about some of these guys. Again, not a ton of options, much the way with Middleton. There there sort of has to be the right pair of guys that have the, the name value, enough buzz And a profit margin. You don't want to do it if you're not going to have a profit margin on it. And again, if you go much higher than that, you're probably giving up too much. You should be hunting some other potential buy low. Don't go all the way down the board. Even if we like Tobias Harris, we're talking about climbing from 58 to like 45. And then hopefully some health the rest of the way. But I do believe the thought, once again, on Harris is buy. Buy. I don't know why I picked the names I did when I think about it looking back, but in any event, this is an opportunity to remind you guys that this podcast, the final podcast of 2021, is brought to you by our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com, the Thrive Fantasy app available on iTunes, Apple devices, and Android devices as well. And the best damn way to play some DFS action. You do not anymore have to go dumpster diving to fill out your lineups. Just tell the good folks at Thrive what you believe the superstars are going to do on any given night. Overs, unders, prop bets on the biggest names in the NBA. You pick 10 out of the 20 names in a tournament. Overs or unders, if you hit them, you get points. And however many points you get, add it all up, win a share of the profits. Use promo code ETHOS or the, the links I've been tweeting out to start your account at thrivefantasy.com. ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and get a 100% deposit match bonus on your initial deposit. Plus, again, all you have to do is put in 10 bucks, and you get a $10 deposit match bonus and two, a pair of $20 contest entry vouchers. So that's worth $40. The extra 10 is worth $10. you are getting $50 of bonuses for just a $10 deposit It's a great way to try it out. If you dislike it, fine. But I don't think you will. Again, that's thrivefantasy.com. Prop up. Please do give it a try. It's the last thing I'm going to ask you to do in 2021 for me. Please do give Thrive Fantasy a try. I think you're going to like it a lot. They're a very cool partner for us so far. And you're going to win some money by following our DFS guys, and you're going to have a good time. It's fun. It's really what it comes down to. Is it fun, and am I going to win some cash? Yes, and yes. Next name on the list. Alperin Shengun, who we've had to loop back around on so many damn times so far this year. (sighs) I take a deep breath before I go into my same Shengun analysis that we've had before, which is... The question of how early is too early to stash a basketball player with big-time upside? This dude is 52% rostered in Yahoo! Leagues. 52! By the way, that tells you how many players in fantasy are now following sites with analysis. Whether it's NBC, us, and HoopBall, Basketball Monster, whatever. 52%. There's no way his roster ship would be that high if folks weren't following pages that are like, this guy has intense second half upside. Which, to this point, I have yet to disagree with. Alperen Sengun has a super interesting fantasy game. He's shooting 50% from the field. In only 18 and a half minutes a game, he's averaging 9, 5, and 3 with a steal and a block. That's pretty sweet. That's the type of fantasy across-the-board line That can increase kind of exponentially as he gets more playing time and starts to utilize it. But here's the problem. Even with this slight uptick in playing time lately, which again, you know, minutes per game went from like 16 and a half, 17 up to 18 and a half, 19 kind of deal. He's still outside the top 200 because in that same amount of time on the floor, he's averaging two turnovers per game and a medium volume 70% foul shooter. That is a drag. And he also doesn't hit three-pointers yet. So if you're not going to hit threes and you're a big man, you probably need to be shooting over 50% from the field. That has to be a positive impact area as opposed to what it is for him right now, which as a center, he's kind of a net neutral. I like the one steal. I like the block. Those are cool. But again, you need more minutes. You need to convert that into one and a half and one and a half if you want them to really leave a sting on someone's roster. As it stands right now, steals are uh, right around league average, ever so slightly below it. Boxer ever, blocks are ever so slightly above it. Points below league average. Assists, I mean, good for a center, but around league average, a little bit below it. Rebounds, a little below league average for a center. Free throw percent, a drag. Field goal percent, ever so slight positive. Three point per, uh, 0.3 per game, Negative. We all see the potential, but we still don't really know if or when he's going to be unleashed. There's this—I think there's just a a sort of generalized agreement among everyone on the planet that at some point, shang is going to get to play more this year. That's not even guaranteed. Houston's not in a one-season rebuild. They don't need to just turn him loose for 35 minutes a game— For him to develop a little bit. He's cool, man. I really like what I'm seeing out of this kid, but there's no guarantee it happens even this season. Odds are, I call it 50 50, really, 50 50 that he starts to get more consistent playing time around the All Star break. And if or when that happens, what do we even mean by consistent playing time? Are we talking about 24 minutes instead of 18 and a half? It's probably not going to be 30 he'll foul out. I don't think he's playing 30 minutes a game without fouling out. He probably fouls out in 25 minutes most games. He picks him up left and right, bites on pump fakes like you wouldn't believe. He's on skates right now, the young fella. And again, super cool. You know, he's 19 years old. That's nuts, isn't it? He's 19. He's going to be really good. But is it going to be in a month and a half? Or is it going to be next season? Or the season after that? As keeper leagues go, this is a guy you need to be squatting on. Dynasty leagues, you squat on him. Redraft, win now, imminent victory type of leagues. In Roto, there's pretty much been no reason to have him all season to this point. You can get so much more out of that roster spot than just sitting on a dude you're not going to use until potentially mid-February. And even then, you don't know. Head-to-head, at least you make the case, all right, well, you know he's getting something, even if in you know one category free throws let's he's a net negative there in free throws the other one's he's getting you stats he's not missing games regularly he's sort of slowly compiling bad counting stats but he's not zeros in roto he's effectively zeros cuz you're not starting him head to head he's just bad fantasy lines but at least it's positive so i get it it's a question that doesn't have an easy answer and I think the answer now is if you ask me today, New Year's Eve, would I be squatting on Alper and Shangun right now? My answer is yes, because we're now about six weeks away from the will he won't he moment. You treat it almost like an injury stash in Roto, head to head again, you, you know, you're getting these low productivity games and it, again, at least it's something. But if you think back, I mean, what are we in now? Like week 13 in the season? No, it's not that far in, is it? Week 11? Where are we? What What year is this? Um, it is week 11. So we got that one right. Week 11. And six more weeks. Was it really worth sitting on a dude for 17 weeks? I mean, the fantasy season in most head-to-head leagues is only 20 or 21. You're really going to sit on a guy for five-sixths of that? No, I mean, that's a that's a bad idea. In any format, squatting on someone who you think is going to have value in February from the beginning of the year is a bad formula. If you think that this—if you think that Chengun is going to play 25 minutes— He's probably about a top 80 kind of guy. This, of course, assuming that the free throw issues stay there, but maybe the attempts per game level off a little bit. That it doesn't go from three and a half bad free throws to like five bad free throws per game. That it levels off at like four. So it doesn't get that much worse. I, you know, he's not going to play 30 minutes a game. It, his body won't handle it. Maybe there will be a week in there right at the end of the season where they they demo it or something like that, and maybe that'll be useful in a head-to-head playoff format, but I don't know if you're going to get to that point, riding on a dude that hasn't been performing at this point. So I tend to be a little bit more of a downer on a guy like Shangun, goon and, and he's not a great example because you know we can see the upside built in, but players like that in general, where you feel like you need to sit on them for 17 weeks... I already told you guys not to draft injured players. This is just the next step down from that. Well, he's not hurt. He's an active stash. Okay, but what about now where seven guys in your team are in COVID protocols? Can't really be afforded to, to be starting a guy who's posting top 220 value when there are top 65 type fill-in guys that might keep your team above water. Bonus stashing this season is nearly impossible. Frankly, I am blown away that Shengun isn't dropped in more leagues simply because of how many teams need a roster spot right now. I don't have him anywhere. I'm actually okay with that. I know that in seven weeks, someone in my league might catch lightning in a bottle. They might catch the guy who... Rolls at, again, a top 75 clip the rest of the way. But I think I've probably found a couple of those dudes floating around on the waiver wire since then with my available roster spots. Will Barton, early in the season, has ended up being someone who's rolled in that neck of the woods. Who else popped up early in the season that's uh, turning out to be a really good pickup? Alex Caruso is turning out to be a pretty good pickup. I didn't get him anywhere, unfortunately. Not super thrilled about that. Patrick Beverly generally wasn't drafted. He's been a really good pickup in roto leagues. Jared Vanderbilt has been a really interesting pickup. These are guys that you end up missing when you're so focused on stashing a guy who you believe in your soul is going to get there. So, all in all, Right now, yeah, you stash him. Because we're six weeks away from the will he or won't he moment. Even two weeks ago, you could make the argument to try it. Because it's an active stash. But before that, nope. That's my cutoff. Next player on the list is Rishon Holmes. A hoop ball favorite going through a very weird spell right now where Holmes has dropped to number 71 on a per-game basis, had his eye sliced, and hasn't really recovered from that. Still shooting 69% from the field, 80 at the free-throw line, 13-9 and nine with a block, but he's in a lull right now. Kings as a team are trying to figure out what sticks. I don't know what's going to take to get Rashawn Holmes. You're not going to be able to pry him away from a hoop baller, but you might be able to pry him away from some random dude who ended up with Rashawn almost half by accident, And there are plenty of guys around him in the rankings right now that are not as good as he is. Um, Jordan Poole, probably not enough to do it. Kyle Lowry, I would certainly give up for Holmes. Josh Hart, Wendell Carter Jr., Tyrese Maxey, Gordon Hayward, Scotty Barnes, Mike Conley i'm working my way up the board here that's probably about as far as i'd go at least to preserve the profit margin and then behind holmes anybody that i already mentioned caruso he's the one that that emerges in that bunch d when he comes back maybe would you think about maybe brandon ingram No, it's kind of a sell low there harrison barnes try it i know everybody loves julius randall i don't I don't, I just, I, you could probably get more for him. That's the only reason to say, don't do it. Try Cade Cunningham. He's out right now, but he was number one Oh two. And everybody's super excited about it, but Holmes is probably going to beat him as the year works its way through. So we're Sean a low And uh, you know, this one I think is more injury related than anything because we saw what he was early in the season and shot attempts have just trended down. Opportunity minutes have trended down I do think the minutes will probably creep back up towards 28, 29 as the season goes. Damien Jones is not about to take his, his job. I also think we'll probably see the blocks creep up from 1 to more like 1.2 or 1.3. So pretty easy path for Rasham to get back inside the top 55, which means you do have this profit margin here of guys that are almost definitely stuck in the 60 to 75, 80 range that he's almost definitely going to pass. And the last name on the list of this New Year's Eve episode is Devin Vassell. He's an interesting one. We talked about uh, Vassell with Josh Lloyd on the pod a couple weeks ago here. We've talked about him on Twitter quite a bunch. His issue right now is just that Greg Popovich is not fully ready to give him the keys. And he was floating around in the top 80 range earlier in the season. He got hurt. Now his minutes have been kind of bouncing around a tad. Uh, And his fantasy game has been bouncing around a tad as well. We haven't seen the consistent rebounding, passing steals and blocks really since he got hurt. Came back uh, about three weeks ago. His minutes have been in the low 20s. Since then, he's been a bit less aggressive. And I think he only has like six steals this month or something low like that. He's a guy that's going to be popping up on waiver wires. So he's not even a buy low. He is a you can just go get him. He's 28% rostered. The only fear is if you wait and hope that somebody drops him, he might come out with one of those really nice ball games. you know, like 15 points, five boards, three assists, a steal, two blocks, something like that, and then he's not going to get dropped. He'll get re-added. But I've seen him pop up on a couple of waiver wires, even in competitive leagues, and so I would give the strong, like, go-get move on Vassell Especially, I would say starting probably next week, maybe late next week, seven, eight days from now. Because I really do believe we're like ten days away from the COVID stuff cresting, and you start to see the number of streaming options dwindle, and guys like Devin Vassell, who got dropped in that mix, they're gonna start popping up as really relevant rest of Sieves and options when starters who are currently being benched not dropped, like high-profile dudes, all come back, and suddenly the waiver wire is just flush with like 20 guys that were getting streamed, and then everybody's going to be out there trying to look for the guy who has rest-of-season appeal again. Those guys have been completely overlooked right now. The Vassell types, who are sitting just outside the top 100, they're two good games away from being a, a, an all-formats startable-type guy, those guys are about to become fantasy relevant again. And the streamers are all about to topple off the board again. We're not far from that, folks. I promise you. Big thank you. We already mentioned uh, our buddies at thrivefantasy.com. I want to thank a couple of the sponsors we've had for a really long time on this show. Our longest tenured partners at Sports Ethos and before that at Ball. Our buddies at MyBookie.ag—they've been an amazing partner with promos every single day over eleven days from late December to New Year's Day. Uh, the Thanksgiving promos, the start of the football season promos, interspersed odds boosts and locks of the season. I mean, if if you guys have been doing all of those with us all season long, all year long, last year we made like three or four hundred dollars. This year we're four or five hundred dollars. This is like. It's like having one extra fantasy team that wins every year. That's what we've been able to do at my bookie. So if you are not with us over there yet, please do hit me up on twitter at dan i'll I'll happily help you get an account set up. It does work everywhere in the United States and Canada. actually where it's in like two hundred countries across the globe. They're not based in the u s um mybookie.ag is the website if you want to do it yourself the promo code is hoopball they didn't give us a new one h also thank you to our pals at manscaped.com promo codes if you'd like to use either of them over there hoopball 20 ethos 20 20 off and free shipping on your order they've been incredible we've been with manscaped now for almost two years not two seasons two years with manscaped uh, my bookie i think we've been with for about 18 19 months So massive thank you to those two partners. You guys have also done a great job of signing up with our buddies at MyBookie, of getting stuff at Manscaped.com. We've heard nothing but good reviews from really all of it. And the reason that they continue to work with us is because you guys have done stuff with them. I tell you, MyBookie doesn't even care that a lot of you guys are just doing odds boosts and promos. They, They want accounts. They believe that you'll enjoy yourself, you'll tell people word of mouth, things like that. Someone's going to end up losing money to the house, but let's just make sure it's not us. And finally, one of our more recent partners who came back here for a second tour of duty, that's expressvpn.com/hoopball. We got the old code over there, expressvpn.com/hoopball. That gets you an extra 3 months on your 12-month subscription. That's 15 months for the price of 12. Those have been our partners here in the 2021 calendar year, and uh, some of them even back in 2020. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all so much for listening to this show for another full season. We'll try to keep the Iron Man streak going in 2022. Please stay safe, everybody. We are in a wave of the virus. They don't last forever forever. That's the the one thing that has made, I think, all of this a little bit easier for my brain to process. Waves come and go. No one's going to ask you to go into lockdown for half a year. Just be safe. Take care of your friends, your loved ones. Enjoy your fantasy basketball. Find a way to make it fun for yourself. Yeah, you might have a bunch of guys on the shelf, but so does your opponent. So just take the extra steps. Use this opportunity to win some weeks. Minimize your losses. And we're going to pick up some more trophies here when this season comes to an end in 2022. Happy New Year, everyone. From all of us here at Sports Ethos and Fantasy NBA Today, I am Dan Bespris signing off in 2021. We'll talk to you Monday. Reverse chronological lightning round 2022 begins on the other side. So long, everybody.